Let me pray and then we're going to jump right into it. Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to gather together and worship you. We have so many distractions going on and things and in our life that pull our attention away from you. And it's good to have a space like this where we can just reflect and think about you and your word. And this weekend's a little bit heavier, different, because this is the weekend we uh, take time to remember um, those who have sacrificed everything in the service of our country. And you say in your word that no greater love has won than this, that they lay down their life for their friends, and we certainly are thankful for all who have laid down their lives for us. Ultimately, may they point us to you who has died to give freedom for our souls. We think of all the families and friends and soldiers that have lost people they care deeply about in service of our country. I pray that you would give them comfort, that they would know your presence. Maybe as this weekend brings up feelings that... Um, and moments that are difficult for them, that they would know your peace, and that you'd help us all to remember and not take for granted the incredible freedoms that you have given us. So thankful for all who serve. This weekend, we remember those who gave everything. As we jump into your word and we think about our relationships, we need your direction. We need your courage and encouragement for us. We need your wisdom. I pray that we would uh, hear your voice, not mine, this morning, and that you would do a good work in our hearts and in our lives and make us more like Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're starting a brand new series called People Problems. You have problems, <laughs> and most of your problems are people problems, that's just how life goes, and it's very complex to take a look at our relationships. It can be uncomfortable for you over the next couple weeks to deep dive into your relationships, and I just want to be absolutely clear right off the top that this series is not like a marriage series. We're talking about all your relationships, both the good ones and the bad ones, the ones that are intact and the ones that are Fractured. We're talking about relationships you have here in this room, relationships you have with your kids, with your stepkids, with your stepdad, with your stepmom, with your parents, with your grandparents, with your grandkids, with your work buddies, with that boss who you think hates you. We're talking about all your relationships in this series. And what our goal is, is to look at God's word and take some principles out of it every week that will help us move in healthy ways towards healthier relationships that maybe even God would be reflected in our relationships that we would end up somewhere better. And that's the title of today's message. There's a better way. God's designed relationships. And it's designed for you is to be in relationship with others. It's part of this incredible experience that we have called being human. It's his design for your existence to be in 
close relationships that help you, that build you up, that help you see your blind spots, that help you grow. Because ultimately, the context for your growth, whether it's spiritual growth or personal growth, the context for your growth is in and through relationships. And often our relationships, what we see in them, the attitudes (laughs) that get thrown at us, uh, the the vibe that we feel in our relationships is simply a reflection of what's going on in our own hearts. Your relationships are the context for growth, and relationships are what make you and your life rich or poor. Not the amount of money you have, it's the relational health that you experience. Full heart is one that has full relationships, first with God and then with others. And relationships are also the place where you discover your purpose and meaning. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, but at the same time, our relationships are the seat of so much pain, so much discouragement, so much disappointment, And so much suffering. Don't say amen out loud. I know you're saying amen in your hearts. And also, don't be looking at the people next to you during this series. You know, there's going to be times where you're going to have to like really lock it in. And put your eyes front and not flinch or elbow anybody. (laughs) At least until after the service. We're diving deep into our relationships over the next, I think it's eight weeks, maybe nine, I forget. Um, We're gonna be diving deep into our relationships and looking at God's way, the better way. There's a better way to be in relationships than just letting your circumstances dictate how you react and respond to the people around you. There's a better way to be in relationship with other people, whether you're talking about your significant other, whether you're talking about your kids, no matter who you're talking about, there's a better way than being driven by your emotions and your feelings in relationships. Whether those feelings are awesome and joyous and passionate, or whether those feelings are terrible, like hurt and betrayal and pain, there's a better way than just being driven by your emotions. There's a better way than just seeking what you want and what you need out of your relationships. And that better way is God's way. If he designed these for our good and for our benefit and for our growth and for our encouragement and to make our lives full, then you can bet for sure that he's gonna say some stuff about how we should be in relationship with each other. So you ready? Even if it gets a little messy, (laughs) can you stick through it even if there's some things that are uncomfortable? Can you maybe like, instead of pointing a finger throughout this series, (laughs) hold up a mirror and see what God has to say about us and our relationships? The better way, the better way is intentional. It's intentional. It's not just letting the chips fall where they may in our relationship. 
is taking some actual, real, meaningful, positive steps to do things different and to do things better God's way. The, the better way is not just intentional, it's attentive. It's attentive to the people around you, what they're really saying, what's really going on in their lives, and it's even more importantly attentive to what God is saying, not about them, but about you and what he wants to do in your heart and in your mind and in your way of thinking and in your way of relating. It's intentional, it's attentive, it's willing the better way, willing to have that uncomfortable conversation that God tells you you should have, willing to take a selfless step when God tells you to take a selfless step. It's willing to follow him into the unknown and the uncomfortable and the difficult to see. It's willing, here's the tough one, you ready for this? Brace yourselves. It's willing to let go of control and to just follow him. That's a tough one. <laughs> I don't like that one. You don't have to like it either, but it's true. That's the better way. And I want to talk to you this morning about this encounter um, of David uh, found in 1 Samuel chapter 24. I'm actually going to read the whole chapter to you, and then we're going to bust 10 points out. That's a lot. 9.30 went way long. So I'm going to try to like keep it in check, but you have to like lock in grab a pen, take some notes, write some stuff down, 10 things, and then just maybe focus on one or two this week. That'll make your life better. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, you get the story of when soon-to-be King David spares the life of current King David. And what complicates this matter is Current, or current King Saul, sorry, not current King David. Current King Saul is trying to straight up murder soon to be King David. I don't know if you know the story of David or the story of Saul. I don't want to assume you do. Let me just give you a little bit of backstory before I jump into reading this chapter. I think it'll give you a little perspective at the complexity of this situation. David was the youngest son of this man named Jesse. He was. Uh, Jesse had a well-to-do family, had a lot of brothers. They were sheep herders. They took care of sheep. And uh, David and, and Samuel was the prophet of God in that time, in that day and age, and God would often speak through Samuel. Saul was the current king. God was done with Saul. He's moving on from Saul. He still has some time left in his reign, but it was time for change. That's a whole nother sermon series about Saul and what was going on with him. It was complicated, but he had turned his back on God, and it was time for a change. So he, God sent Samuel to Jesse's house to appoint, pour oil. I know some of you love your essential oils, don't you? There's some essential oil-looking people out there in the crowd today. Like, to anoint him, they would take, like, the essential oil of the day and pour a bucket of it on his head. <laughs> anoint him, the next king with oil. Samuel goes out to see David's family. Jesse brings every, all the brothers in except for David, who was the youngest, the smallest, probably the one least likely to be king, leaves him out in the field tending the sheep. Saul looks at these incredible young men, and he, Samuel does, and he's like, none of these guys are it. There has to be somebody else. Jesse's like, well, my youngest is out tending the sheep, and Samuel's like, we're not even going to sit down. Go get him. You stay standing. You should have brought him in the first place. It doesn't say that, but that's probably what he was 
thinking. They bring David down, and David's like, what? What's going on? And they're like, here's some oil on your head. I'm, going, I'm totally paraphrasing it. Well, it didn't go down exactly like this. You can read it. Read it. It's good to read your own, your own Bible. Poured the oil, anointed him as the next king, and then David immediately goes back to tending sheep. That's a, that's a good one, too, but not for today. Eventually, his dad his brothers would be off fighting with the Israelites against uh, the Palestines and uh, Philistines, sorry. And, and then he would, um, Jesse sent David with like a cheese plate and some food and some stuff. It's for real, he does. And he goes to give this stuff to his brothers and the soldiers he's fighting with. And he shows up right about the time, you probably heard of this dude, Goliath is on the scene, taunting God and taunting the, the nation of Israel and calling them out. David's like, what's going on? I'm making a really long story short. David steps out onto the battlefield for God, for his people, on God's behalf, takes Goliath down with a slingshot. And everybody starts singing David's praises, right? Saul's killed a bunch. David's killed way more. Everybody's talking about David. Saul says, who is this young guy, and I want him to serve on my court. So now David is serving in the king's court, and he's often singing songs to appease him. He was a musical dude, um, a man of young man of integrity even at that time. And even though he's supposed to be the next king, he's serving the current king, doing kind of this lowly stuff. And one day, Saul takes his spear and throws it at him. Now, I know you got people problems. I don't want to minimize your people problems. Like, some of you have some bosses that hate you, but I'm thinking they're probably not throwing a spear at your head when you show up to work Tuesday morning. Like, you, you have incredibly difficult issues that are going on, but can we all agree that even though maybe you're dealing with your own heartbreak, I don't wanna minimize that, your own pain, I don't wanna minimize that, your own conflict, your own issues with work and relationships, like David is in a complete mess. His best friend is Saul's son, Jonathan, and Jonathan's like, you gotta run. My father is going to kill you, and that's where this story picks up. Saul returns from pursuing the Philistines and he was told David is hiding out in the desert. Saul takes 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near this, the crags of wild goats. <laughs> that's where David is hiding out. Like that's not a pretty picture I would have been sick of it long ago. Like, I need a new job. I need new people. This is a toxic relationship. Look where I ended up. This is so bad. I'm in a cave by the crags of wild goats. And how does it get that name also, by the way? Things I'll ask when I get to heaven. I'm keeping a list. So the crags of the wild goats can't be a pleasant place. Saul and his army are coming to the sheep pens along the way, and there was a cave there, and it says this in this very descriptive, almost too much information passage, and it says, and Saul went in there to relieve himself. This isn't Pictionary. I'm not going to draw you a picture. Figure it out on your own. David and his men were far back in the cave, hiding, 
the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands and for you to deal with as you wish. So David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Dirty job, but he did it. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do. Listen to the language David uses when he's talking about a guy who is hunting him. The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. We don't talk like this. You're not talking like this about your husband. You're like, why are you breathing so loud? That's what you're saying, right? Like, <laughs> the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Now this interaction gets even trickier. It says, David went out of the cave and called to Saul, my Lord and my king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Are you serious right now? Showing this much respect to someone who's trying to hunt you down? He says to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, what? Look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of the robe but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I've not wronged you, but you are hunting me to take down my life. May the Lord, this is important, may the Lord judge between me and you. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs that you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you, as the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog, a flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying all of this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does not let him go away does he, does he let him go away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up, this is important, went up to the stronghold. I got 10 things 
from this passage I want to talk about, and we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to fly through these 10 things real quick. Take notes. You're not, I don't know if all 10 will apply to your current situation. Should just take one or two and focus on these maybe this week and see what God will do in your relationships. It's a terribly confronting passage. I do not deal with people the way David just dealt with people. I, I'm not a, I'm, this is hard, a hard passage. When you start thinking about the people that hurt you, that are hunting you, that want to see your downfall, when you start thinking about the enemies, the people who have betrayed you, the people who have used your name unfairly, when you start thinking about this passage in the context of that, this is so, so difficult. But here's 10 things that I'm taking from these to apply to my relationships. The first one is this. You have to weigh the outside voices that are speaking into your relationships. You have to weigh them. It's called discernment. Saul's buddies are hiding in the cave too. And they're like, this is a verse. Here's God's word to you. I'm not making this up. This isn't just my opinion. I think you should kill Saul. Why else would he be here? Why did God put him here? God said that he would deliver him to you. David, duh, right now's your moment. Take your shot. Let's end this. Pretty good advice. Sounds pretty with it. Sounds like the dude's got a verse. You know, like a message from God. Of course this is what I should do. David was discerning though because a hint of truth is not all truth. A little bit of context is not the whole context. You have to be discerning in your relationships. But you have to be really discerning when it comes to the voices that you let speak into those. You can't just take your buddy's word for it. Follow what all the Instagram commenters think. That person who's also walking through a blown up relationship and is pretty bitter about it. Probably not the best person to take advice from. Number one. You want to see some new stuff in your relationships? There might be some people you need to stop listening to. Weigh the voices that you are allowing to speak into your relationship and use discernment. Here's my second lesson from this passage. Don't let your heart get hard. I don't know why we think a soft heart means weakness when David is such a great example of a warrior, um, just a complete stud, and also he had a soft heart. It would have been real easy to let his heart get hard. I would have had a hard heart way before the crag of the wild goat. I'd have been over it like three days in. Like, okay, that started out as a nice camping trip. These dudes are starting to smell. I'm out. I don't care about being king anymore. Find me a beach and a Beverage with an umbrella in it and leave me alone. I'm gonna throw my cell phone in the ocean. I'm checking out. That would have been me in this situation. Like, I would have been so done. God's plan for my life sounded good. Feel like it's over. Let's move on to the next chapter. You know? Like, I would have gotten a hard, I would be like, I'm not letting anybody in. Don't talk to me. Don't say anything to me. I'm angry. Leave me alone. Not David. He has such a soft heart that even after he cut a sliver, is that that bad? Doesn't seem that bad, does it? 
He took a sliver of the robe of the guy and he is convicted. That is the kind of attentiveness I want to keep to God's direction in my life. I know you've been hurt by some people. Some of you have been carrying around baggage is the wrong word, like a U-Haul of garbage from your past relationships. Just everywhere you go, there's U-Hauls behind you as a painful reminder weighing you down. Like some of you have been, I know you got, I know you got some stuff. You can't let it harden your heart and be a source of bitterness in your life. I know you don't want to get hurt again. You can trust God with your heart and keep it soft before him. David doesn't let his heart get hard. He is sensitive to what God says and he is extremely strong. Number third lesson I I pulled out of this is to listen carefully and follow God. You see, David knew that he was not even to lift a hand against, that's why I felt convicted about the robe, against one of God's anointed. And even though Saul's time was coming to an end, it wasn't over yet. See, that was God's business to deal with, not David's business to deal with. God had not directly told David to take care of this problem by himself. It was still clearly in God's hands, but David was listening. He knew the law. He knew the rules. He knew God's heart. He knew what he was supposed to do. And so he was able to follow God because he was listening carefully for God's voice in his relationships. We spent a lot of time listening to the opinions of all of our buddies and people in our lives about our relationships. Have you been listening to God? If you're single, have you been listening to his voice about who he would have you date? Do people still date? I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> they date through text? I don't know. Um, have you been too much? You're like ready to judge me now. Um, he was listening carefully. If you're about to make a big decision that is going to have a lot of consequences and affect a lot of people, maybe especially your kids, you better be listening to God even more so than you're just listening to your own heart. You're gonna do something at work, take a stand, you know, have a conversation. You better be listening to God. He was listening carefully so he could follow God. Number four, that means that you need to be willing to wait on God's timing. My timing's always like now but I don't see the whole picture, so I don't understand how all the consequences are gonna roll out when I decide to act right now instead of waiting for God's timing. It's cliche, but God's timing is always better because he sees the whole picture. He understands the direction he's moving us in. He knows the change I need to experience in my heart and what he wants to do in my life. Regardless of my circumstances, David was willing, instead of taking it now, to wait on God's timing. The, the fifth lesson I pull from this, because I told you we were going to cruise through it. Number five, 
is keep your conscience clear. I know you want to do it. It happens to everybody. Things get tough at home. I just, what do I got to do to escape? You're going through some stuff. The grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. You start thinking, maybe I should just do this. Maybe that'll make me feel better. I should just have this conversation. Maybe I should, maybe I should just do whatever I need to do to make myself better to escape this thing, whatever I can run to to drown out my problems. I just wanna, I wanna do it. But your heart is the most important part of you. It's worth protecting, keeping it in line with what God says. Don't do it. You're thinking about that temptation, don't do it. Trying to drown your worries in a bottle, don't do it. Trying to escape all your problems by snorting something up your nose, don't do it. Looking at those other people like, man, they would treat me better. Their love and attention would sure fix a lot of my problems and the, fix the love and attention I'm not getting at home. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Keep your conscience clear, especially when you're walking through extremely difficult and complex relational issues. Trust me, you'll be so glad on the other side of it when you can stand before God and the other people and be like, listen, I, I don't know, it was a complete disaster, a mess, and there was so much temptation to just escape this issue or jump out of it or do whatever, but I'm standing here knowing before God, before my kids, before my people, before me, that I was just following God's direction. My conscience is clear. How long would David had carried that guilt and shame if he had been unwilling to wait for God's timing and he would have just killed Saul right then and there? Would his kingship been tainted because his hand went before God's hand? Let God in the meantime be the provider for your heart. Be the comfort for your pain. Let he be the bandage for your brokenness. It's hard to wait. It's difficult when it's lonely waiting. Let God be your peace. Let him be the presence you need and keep your conscience clear. The sixth lesson, we're cruising, um, is to show respect but that does not mean subject yourself to unhealthy, manipulative behavior. He shows so much respect to Saul. That's the, this is the most convicting part for me because I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. When people hurt me, I'd rather just hurt them back. But here Saul, David is, and he keeps saying things like, calling Saul his father, calling him God's anointed one, prostrating himself before him. There's something about this that's so incredible, like maybe David knew that even though this man was his enemy and wanting to kill him, that he was still in God's hands, he was still God's to deal with, he was still an image bearer of God, he still somewhere, even though he couldn't see it, had some value even though it would have been painful to admit, can you look at the people in your home, in your living room, 
in your bedroom, in your workplace, who you would rather put in a sleeper hold (laughs) and see that they are still loved greatly by God. They're still in his image. You may feel like you hate them, but could you still acknowledge that God doesn't hate them? He loves them. And showing respect does not mean you submit yourself or subject yourself to their garbage. It doesn't mean that you take their abuse. It doesn't mean that you allow them to manipulate you. It doesn't mean you need to listen to them. It doesn't even need you need to spend time with them. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you are able to understand that even though this is broken, that person may not hold value to you, but they hold value to God. He's able to show respect. Number seven, grace and mercy are the beauty sauce of relationships. I just made that up now, and as I say it, it sounds really creepy. (laughs) Beauty sauce. I don't like that at all. Let's scratch that from the record. Let's just say this. Grace and mercy are what add beauty to your relationships. David is showing grace and mercy to someone who doesn't deserve it, and by definition, that's what grace is. The people in your life may not deserve it. Grace says, I'm gonna give you what you don't deserve because of who God is, because of who I am to God. So I can love my enemy. They don't deserve it, but I know how much God loves me and I know who I am to him. I can show grace and mercy to people that I would rather just hurt back because I know who God is and I know who I am to them. They deserve hurt, but that's God's business. And that's the point number eight. Know God's role. Know God's role and invite him into your relationships. See, David knew that God was the one who would judge. God would hold into account all that went on. God would decide between Saul and David. He says it to Saul over and over. He like, invites him into it. Like, let God be the judge of this. Let God deal with you rightly, whatever that is. I'm not gonna lay a hand on you But God might. I'm going to let him figure that out. That's his business. Sometimes you just got to take your relationships and put them before God and say, I'm inviting you into this. I want to hurt this person, but it's yours to deal with. I can't deal with it anymore. And let it go into his hands. Invite him in. Be like, I don't know what this relationship is going to turn out like. I'm letting it in your hands. It's for you to judge. You are the sovereign one. You see it all. I'm going to trust you even when it's painful. He knew God's role. And he was inviting him into the relationship. Number nine, he did not return evil with evil. He returned it with good. We love to return evil with evil. You give me that look, I'll give you that look back. (laughs) You talk sassy to me, ooh, ooh. I got some sassy talk stuffed in my pocket. You want some? Let me show you. I'm not going to show you. <laughs> like, we love, re- you hurt me, I'll hurt you back. You said that about me, I'll say that back. Like, let's go. I'll do this all day. Like, 
ping-pong relationships where things just get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse with every send of the ball across the net. God's way is a better way. It's a better way. Here's what Romans says. You might like this. You might not like the front part, but I, you'll, I guarantee you'll like the last part of this verse in Romans. Romans chapter 12 and verse 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. You like it yet? It's gonna get better right now. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. <laughs> That's Paul writing to the church, quoting scripture. You know it's serious when the New Testament is quoting the Old Testament. He's like, here it is. Love, your, don't return evil with evil. Return it with good. The side benefit of that is somehow it heaps burning coals on the heads of our, our enemies. Don't return evil with evil. Return it with good. And here's the last one. Use wisdom. David does not go, great talk, Saul. Want to go golfing? Should I grab my heart and we could tally-ho back to the palace? He's not like, wow, God's amazing. It's healed. We had this great conversation. You don't even understand. We had this great conversation. It looked like he was going to cry at one part of it, and I was getting a little choked up, and I prostrated myself, and then it was like, we had this thing, and I was like, yo, God's going to deal with you, and he's like, you're right, man. I'm wrong. You were right. Please don't kill my family, and I was like, I'm not. I'm not going to kill your family. I'm glad we worked this out. Now we're best buddies. <laughs> he used wisdom. He can go hang out with Saul. It says he went back up to his stronghold, his fortified place. Can I ask you, what's your fortified place, your stronghold? I hope Grace Free Church is part of that. But even more so, I hope that God is your stronghold and that you use wisdom and you keep retreating to him when you don't know what to do, when you're confused about what's next, when the conversations go good, and when the conversations go bad. David wrote this in Psalms. Same guy, same guy. I told you he was a musician. So he write, wrote this song, Psalm of David, in, verse, in chapter 27. Listen to these words. Let this, let this be the cry of our hearts right here. This, these. Are you going through some stuff in your relationships? Let this be the cry of your heart right here. Things really difficult. You don't know if you're going to make it. Let this be the cry of your heart. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. I love, this. I love these words. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. 
For in the day of trouble, he will keep me. I'm going to change this. I'm not really changing it. I won't do that. But like, listen, just let me put you in there for me. Can I put you in there for me? For in the day of trouble, he will keep you safe in his dwelling. He will hide you in the shelter of his sacred tent and set you upon a rock. God, we thank you so much. That you have such incredible truth that there is a better way in all of our relationships. And this so hard. But we're saying today that we want to hope. We're saying today in our hearts that we will and want to follow you. That we will be attentive to you and willing to follow. That we will be more intentional in our relationships. All That this would all give glory to you and move us to a better better space. We're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for your truth. Thankful for David. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.